Buddy, this is Bunkhouse Bob. And the Worldly War. Live from the Armory Wrestling Show, folks, we're heard on more platforms than an Olympic diver. FNX.network, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio. You can't turn a corner without running into one of us, and you'd rather run into me than you would Laura. Ain't that the truth? Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, live from the Armory Wrestling Show, the premier podcast of independent wrestling. You better listen. From the Armory Wrestling Show, the premier podcast of indie wrestling. The greatest thing to happen since War of the Worlds in like 1938, which I wasn't around then, or the family <laughs> gathering around the radio for listening to the Waltons, you know, like the Waltons did. Our studio line is area code 213-816-1605. With your host, Bunkhouse Bob. Listen, here's a little known fact. I can rap <laughs> almost anything. Okay. I can yeah, but nobody says yeah. you got to be the Fresh Prince, okay? And the lovely Laura. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to your town, and I'm going to beat the crap out of your top guy, and I'm going to walk out of here with this spell. Hey, everybody. Hope you're doing good tonight. You're listening to Live from the Armory Wrestling Show. My name is the Bunkhouse Bob, and I am the greatest wrestling mind of the 21st century. Folks, this is episode 285 of the program. And coming up at 7.30, we're going to travel to the Midwest this week. We're going to speak to Mr. Cole Radrick, who will be on the show. Very excited to have Cole on the program. Watched quite a few matches with Cole and doing prep work for this show. Very, very impressed with Cole, and uh, hopefully you'll be just as impressed. What's not that impressive, folks, want to be crystal clear and transparent right up front, is unfortunately Laura cannot be on the show with us this evening. She had a previous commitment, but coming up here in just a couple of seconds, uh, the co-executive producer of this program, Mr. George Coles, will be joining me. Folks, we would encourage you to go over to www.fnx.network, check out all the great content that is available on FNX. Saw something from uh, World's Almost Finest podcast, as a matter of fact, before we went on air, posted on Facebook. Make sure you're checking out Jake and Travis and the gang at World's Almost Finest podcast. They're uh, two tremendous guys, great, great talents. Make sure you're supporting them. Uh, Go over to www.prowrestlingtees.com. You go over there and type in FNX Network up in the search bar. And you'll find two live from the Armory Wrestling Show t-shirts that you can purchase and help support this program. And as always, if you have a question, a comment, a critique, or a criticism about a guest or a commentary that you have heard on this program, you can always hit us up at ask the email or ask the armory, ask the email, duh, askthearmory at gmail.com. We'll make sure we get that address right because George loves getting 
fan mail. Just loves it, loves it, loves it. And speaking of Mr. Coles, coming in here with more germs than a Mucinex commercial. I'd like to welcome to the program Mr. George Coles. George, how are you? Doing great, Bob. Doing great. And uh, just a just a side note. Um, yeah. For those of you that are, might be interested in the pro wrestling tees, this coming Friday, from mm-hmm. October 18th to October 21st, they're running a promo, 20% off everything on store if you use a retail code or if you use a promo code retail. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're looking for one of those. One of those fine uh, live from the armory shirts and make a great Christmas present. Save yourself some twenty percent off. Get your ship Christmas shipping done early. Buy one yeah. for everybody in the family. That sounds like a good deal. And instead of making two cents a shirt, we'll only make one. That sounds like a, a hell of a bargain to me. Hell of a bargain. Uh, how you doing tonight? You feeling you feeling a little bit better? I have to let everybody know George's been under the weather a little bit. He's uh, battling with a little bit of bronchitis. You feeling better, George? Yeah, I'm I'm at the end, tail end of it. Um, I, as you may notice, if you've heard me on the podcast before, my my voice a little bit ex is a little bit uh, worn out a bit, a little bit softer. But as anybody knows, it's fought any kind of colds and illnesses that that tends to happen towards the end. But I'm on the I'm on the upswing. So thanks the up, to all the, the up, uh, all the, the upside is is that you're here. That's the that's the upswing. The upside is you're here. I just got a message, Bob, saying that all I hear are violins. Are you sure we're on the air? That came from the the good doctor. I have no idea. As far as I know of, we're on the air. I see us on the air. I I have no reason to believe that we're not on the air. It's probably the doctor's connection. I have no idea. As far as I know of, we are on the air. Um, We'll go on and... uh, I'll roll out the social media, and then you can get the Twitter poll pulled up. Folks, if you'd like to follow along with us tonight, you can follow us at From the Armory. You can follow Laura at Circle Sky. You can follow George at Heel Heat Show. You can follow the good doctor at The Gray Lobster. And you can follow myself at Bob underscore Delf. Uh, We are on Facebook. There are two Facebook pages. There's the official Live from the Armory Wrestling Show page. You can check that out. We can find us on YouTube. I'll get it all out here eventually, folks. You can find us on YouTube if you just go into the search bar on YouTube and type in Live from the Armory Wrestling Show. You can find us on YouTube, different clips from a few shows that we've been to, and, of course, all of the episodes are uploaded on YouTube as well. Uh, The Twitter poll, Mr. Coles, are you ready to tackle the question of the week? (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is a... This is easy. I must say the person that comes up with these is great. He must be a genius. Well, <laughs> yeah, semi-genius, yes. Uh, this is based off of a WWE running their, I, I guess it would be semi-yearly draft whenever they feel they need to do a draft. Right. And uh, I put, if professional wrestling had a real draft, who would be the first pick? Now, I gave some options, and I'll explain why the options are who they are. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, Becky Lynch, Kenny Omega, and other leaving comments. And the reason I picked those three are basically that's the three most high-profile companies in in the world, and I I would dare say that they're the three faces of their respective companies. But I did leave okay. it open to you know for the other, um, and let's go mm-hmm. through here. 
Kenny Omega and other leaving comments tied with 27% each. So I'm going to say Kenny was the winner because we have in the comments here a vote for AJ Styles, one for okay. Brock Lesnar, one for okay. Roman Reigns, uh-huh. and uh, one for Will Ospreay, which I thought was kind of an interesting pick. It's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. So so that I'm I'm familiar what was the what was the entire question, George? Run the question to me again one more time. If professional wrestling had a real draft, who would be the first pick? Okay, so if it had a real draft. So we're not talking about the mock draft room that seemed to be the fodder of the internet with the USA and Fox executives bantering back and forth. Uh let's see. I mean Typically, when you're you're talking about drafts, we're talking about Major League Baseball, talking about NBA, we're talking about NFL, we're talking about a pick that is what the team needs the most, what is the most suited, you know, what position are we looking for? Obviously, in professional wrestling, the position that I would be picking for would be the champion. Everything in professional wrestling, in my opinion, uh, always revolves around who currently is the champion, and then, you know, there's a pecking order that's involved. We have said on this program in the past, and it's been on, you know, the PWI 500, that at any given time you could bounce back and forth Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada as the number one, number two, respectively, wrestlers in the world today. I mean, they, they at one point in time they were interchangeable. I don't even know why they, it just wasn't listed as both of them a tie at number one. Uh, obviously Becky Lynch is probably the hottest thing in professional wrestling and has been the hottest thing in professional wrestling for what a year now, George. Um, It's a tough one. Who would you want to pick to best to be the face of your company? Who would you want to pick to have the world heavyweight championship? Somebody that's going to be, be durable, uh, be able to, to, to be there, show up ready on time, face any adversity that would have uh, to be able to carry the company, not only inside of the ring, but outside of the ring. We've talked about the, uh, the John Cena effect over the years. Mm-hmm. This is a tough one. I mean, this is a really good question. This is a tough one. I guess if I had to pick between the three that were given, because the others, I, I got a bunch of names running in my mind. I would have to say right now, I would have to go with Kenny Omega. That's just my... Out of out of those three, I would have to take Kenny Omega. If I had, you know, another man, if I had another, and I know some people are probably going to give me shit about it, and that's okay. The other would be Roman Reigns. I, I the really? guy is the guy is personable, uh, has a good look to him. He's more than proven himself in, in the ring. Uh, never mind the booking angles and all that. I'm just talking about within wrestling. Uh, carries himself. As a true professional, both inside the ring, outside of the ring, close second runner-up would probably be Nick Aldis in the other comment. What do you think? You, you know, I think you're pretty much dead on. We're we're almost identical in what we would pick. Uh, I would go Kenny Omega. Uh, probably Nick Aldis out of everybody would probably – I would be hard-pressed to not maybe pick Nick Aldis over Kenny Omega just because of how he carries himself and how much – I look at it like this. Where was the NWA when when Nick Aldis picked up that championship, and where is it now? And how far has it come on his back? And to me, I don't think Nick Aldis is getting the credit he deserves. I think he's 
definitely in the conversation of one of the one of the top five wrestlers in the world. Um, it it would really depend on the kind of company I want to want to build. If I'm building right. a WWE or an AEW style product where it's sports and entertainment, right. I'm probably going to lean towards Kenny Omega. If I'm building something like a Ring of Honor, NWA, New Japan, probably would lean towards uh, Nick Aldis as a pick, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. I think that's fair. Again, it's it's all subject to perception and what you're trying to, you know, what, what perception you want the ca- company to have. It is professional wrestling, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business, and there's more to it than just the wrestling that goes on in the ring. Uh what was your week like, George? What did you see this week? I pretty pretty good, other than being sick, which left me, you know, in bed and let me catch up on a bunch of things. Um, I'm really loving. I know you said you hadn't seen it yet. I really am loving the NWA Power. We've got two episodes behind us now, and both of them have been fantastic. I uh, love the Dawson brothers. I like that they're being used in a prominent role. Uh, the one thing I take away without trying to be a spoiler too much is I've noticed there is a set style with the NWA. Where mm-hmm. We're looking for guys that could go in the ring, guys that have a toughness, a tough look to them, guys like the Dawson's, like like um, Homicide and, uh, and Eddie King's thing, guys you know that, that look like they could beat you up if you were going the other way. Because let's be honest, as great as the Young Bucks look, no one's afraid that the Young Bucks are going to beat them up in an alley. But if you That's run across true. Homicide and Eddie Kingston, you better tuck your wild and run. Yeah, I mean, we've but talked they, about that before. That's why it takes 21 super kicks. You know, it just uh, that's that's the way that it is. Um, I did, I, I think maybe before we went on, on air, George and I were talking a little bit. I think, think maybe you did misunderstand. I did watch NWA Power. Oh, I, did, okay. I, did, I did get to see okay, it. Gotcha. I, th- I think it was funny. I think it was funny, not taking any credit, none whatsoever. I'm sure this was laid out weeks ago. But I said last week that I thought that the NWA mirroring the old style, the old tradition, and then catching some catchphrases, and I specifically mentioned the word quickbait on this program and what was the title of the second program, the second installment. It was quickbait. I'm looking at it on YouTube right now. As it stands right now, uh, Wednesday night here at uh, a quarter after seven, uh, the NWA has 148,000 views on the sec on the second episode. What is that noise, Coles? I was checking. Um, I was checking our feed, and it does seem that we are coming over as violin music. Well, I I have so no I idea what, what that, that would be. So if you're so if you're going if you're yeah if you're trying to catch this live and it's not coming over it's coming over as violin music then so be it uh, I know that uh, I know that we are recording so uh, you will be able to hear this on FNX you will be able to hear it on iTunes on Stitcher on all that great stuff immediately after we're done recording the only thing that uh, that I noticed was that uh, the Skype integration is currently down on Blog Talk but as it shows it says that we're on air and we're recording and I can hear you and you can hear me. And typically that means that, uh, that we're recording the episode. So we'll just have to roll with it. If not, it'll be, it'll be a great memory for us that we sat here and did nothing this this Wednesday night. Um, so NWA, the, the numbers on NWA are strong. Uh, 
I can, I expect that they will continue to remain that way. I, I'm, uh, I already noticed that they put out some ads. I believe that there's an NWA pay-per-view coming up in December, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I will have to double check that. We'll, we'll get that information out because I don't think all the details have been released on it yet, but I did, I did see that. Um, there were a couple of notes, several notes that I saw right before we went on air. And I'm going to try to hit a few of them before we get Cole on the line. Uh, if you have been paying attention to what happened at Evolve, Shotzi Blackheart, former show guest, Shotzi Blackheart, was offered a WWE NXT contract. So Shotzi will be heading to the Performance Center. And I have to say that that was first reported by Squared Circle Sirens. And another piece that came out today that I noticed because it was funny. I was thinking about this today because I was scrolling through, I was scrolling through YouTube, and a match came up with Maria Manic. And Maria is a former show guest. We've had Maria on the program. Uh, I, I was saying to myself, I haven't seen anything out of Maria in quite some time. I, I believe her social media accounts have been deactivated. I, I hadn't seen anything. And then lo and behold, later today. Uh, earlier this afternoon, a, a clip came up from Squared Circle Sirens that said that Maria's contract, she signed a contract with Ring of Honor in June, has expired. She was only featured one time on Women of Honor, and she had a private tryout at the Performance Center Monday and Tuesday is what, uh, is what, I would, what Squared Circle Sirens is reporting. So it'd be interesting to see if Maria Manic ends up at NXT. Um, there was a great post. I don't know if you caught this or not, George. A great post from Gabe Sapolsky of Evolve concerning James Drake and Anthony Henry. And it was kind of funny because James had put something out on Twitter. Uh, J.D. Drake, I should say. Uh, put something out on Twitter about some fans complaining that there were only 40 or 50 people at the Evolve show. And Gabe later on in, in the day or the next day, the following day, put out a, like an eight, eight thread tweet or an eight, eight portion tweet about JD and about Anthony and their arrival at Evolve and what he thought about them up until their match at this past Evolve. And there was some really, there was some good stuff. Here, here's the thing. Gabe was really, really honest about it. And, and what you can take that honesty for whatever it's worth in the tweet, and you can read it for yourself if you go on Twitter and, and find Gabe's Twitter address. I think it's at Gabe Sapolsky is what it is. He said that, you know, J.D. and Anthony coming in to evolve, he thought that they were quote-unquote good hands, which, you know, is sometime a backhanded compliment in professional wrestling, and thought that um, – at some point that they would be, you know, that, that he could work with them or work them into the card, either as a uh, low card or, or maybe even middle card, that, that he thought that they would be able to find some work. And lo and behold, as the months have transpired, they have turned into two of the of the pillars right now of Evolve. And uh, hats off to, uh, to J.D. Drake and to Anthony Henry. I have to have to say that. I mean... And I replied to, to Gabe and told him, I was like, you know, this is uh, not only a, a dream come true for them, but it's a dream come true for us fans that knew the talent level that was there. And it was a question of when, not if. 
So keep and, looking at keep looking at them. I mean, uh, they're incredible, incredible talents and good guys too. And you know, I think it. Uh, I, I I believe I read the same thing you was where he's talking about they really stood out in style style battle, and that's what really changed his mind on them. Yes. And if you remember, we we talked about style battle and how how great the matches were. I believe the first one, if I if I remember right, was a. Uh, J.D. Drake versus uh, John Davis. I believe you're right. And they put on just a hell of a match. And, you know, both of those guys, John Davis is one of those guys, I don't understand why he's not at a more high-profile, prominent role somewhere in the world right now. Him, uh, J.D. Drake, Anthony Henry, all three of those guys, to be honest with you. Um, Chip Day, add him into the mix, but the... Yeah, it's a, it's one of those things, I guess. And you, you know what I think hurts J.D. or James, as we know him, is you look at him, and he looks like such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And then you put him in the ring, and he's not the nicest guy once you get him in the ring. But that initial, I think a lot of people, it's like a sticker shot. They don't know what they're getting with him. That's true. That's true. I, I would agree with that. And then once they see it, they're like, "Well, God, this guy's, this guy's fantastic. He's another, he's another guy that, you know, if we were doing a draft, there wouldn't be too many rounds before I pick JD." No, that that I I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Uh, the other thing, one of the other things that I saw, and we were just talking about. Uh, talking about Maria being involved with women of honor and signing a contract. I saw that Mike Bennett, you know, Mike Canellas from WWE who just recently re-signed a contract in June, I believe it was for five years. I want to say it was like for 500 grand a year has asked for his release again. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of all that. It, it uh, I, I mean, I do and I don't in the sense that you knew that there, that he was unhappy before he resigned the contract. And he says, I think in the post that he put up that, you know, for him, you know, looking at it financially, he thought he was doing the best thing, but he can't just work one day a week and, you know, back and forth and back and forth. And then I think about guys that, you know, that are there that aren't asking for their releases that have been there twice as long and have, and are not on, they're on house shows, you know, and these were guys that came in before him with a lot of fanfare. You know, I'm thinking of guys like, well, not a lot of fanfare, but I'm thinking of guys like Heath Slater. I'm thinking of guys like Curtis Axel. I'm thinking about guys like, like Bo Dallas. I'm thinking, you know, our truth before the 24 seven title run. I'm th- there, there, there's a whole myriad of guys that, you know, are being used as, I don't know. The best thing I can think of, the best term, is you know, is a higher grade enhancement talent, George. And the only thing that they're doing is putting checks in the bank. That's the only thing they're doing. You're not hearing them ask for their release. It's it's one of those situations. I think I think part of the problem is there's so many people under WWE contracts right now. I think what was it? Some like 140 people between the different shows and different rosters. I mean, come on. As much time as they have on TV, there's still not enough time to put everybody on. And 
I hate to say, dude, you're getting paid five hundred grand a year, five hundred grand a year, on a five-year guaranteed deal. Here's the thing, though, Bob. If and it's it's one of those things that goes back and and uh, I remember I I forget who it was, but there have been guys that have walked away. James Storm walked away from one of the one of their contracts. Where is what? At what point? Is your integrity more important than your money? I don't know. You give me 500 grand and my integrity is going to start thinning out. I'll tell you what, you finish up on your thought and give a, you finish up on your thought and give a cheap plug out for your YouTube show. And I'll be back in just a minute. (laughs) I mean, my, my thoughts are this at two, at 500 grand a year, there's pretty much not much I wouldn't do including just sitting in catering and not being used. However, if I wanted to be seen and I wanted to turn that half a million into one million, two million, five million a year and bank on myself, I might take the route that a Juice Robinson, a John Moxley, uh, Lance Archer, different guys have done and leave and make myself bigger outside of the company. And then hopefully, you know, maybe you go back, maybe you catch on somewhere like New Japan, AEW, Ring of Honor. There's, I mean, the landscape's wide open right now to where these people could go. So settling for 500 grand when you think you're worth more, I know it's a ton of money, and I know it's, there's a lot of wrestlers that don't never make that much in one year in their whole career. But sometimes you got to bet on yourself. That's my opinion of it, to be honest with you guys. I, I I get where he's coming from. I still think I think it's a work. If I'm going to be honest with everybody, I think it's work. I think it was a work the first time. I think it's a work this time. I think it's going to play up with the angle that they're having where his wife is pregnant with somebody else's baby, which I think is a ridiculous angle that I can't see anything good ever coming out of. But, you know, there's there's a reason why I'm not a billionaire and I'm talking about the angle on a, a podcast and there's a reason why certain people that book the angles are billionaires and keep banking on money and keep giving out contracts to pay a guy half a million dollars just to sit around and do nothing. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess it's one of those things. While uh, while Bob's getting on there, I'm back on. Did you already give out your cheap plugs for open up your crates and all that other stuff? Well, no, I just expounded a little bit on my uh, on my point that I think you know it comes back to the do you want to bet on yourself? Five hundred thousand dollars is a great deal of money. It's more money than most wrestlers make in a year in their whole careers. But if you think you're worth more, do you take the Juice Robinson route and bet on yourself? Well, I guess that's the uh, the five hundred thousand dollar question, isn't it, Mister Coles? Uh, Want to go on and uh, get our guest on for this evening? Very, very excited to have uh, this young man on the show. Got to uh, look and watch through some match tape on on Cole, and uh, was very was pleasantly surprised. You never know what you're going to get when you start watching match tape, especially some things that are that are taped at shows, but uh, really, really just uh, an exceptional, exceptional in-ring competitor. Uh, very excited to uh, to have him on the show. So without any more from me, 
we'd like to welcome to the program Mr. Cole Radrick. Mm-hmm. Cole, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, typically, uh, the other co-host with me is Laura, but she had a previous commitment tonight. So joining me tonight is uh, George Coles. He's the co-executive producer of this program. actually made contact with you. George, you want to say hello to Cole? Hey, Cole. I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Man, they, again, thanks for letting me you know, come on here and shoot the shit with you guys. You know what I mean? No problem. Definitely, no problem. Hey, Cole, we've had the opportunity to speak with with a lot of folks from the Midwest scene, and one of the things that always gets me is sometimes, and I don't know if it's a geographic thing or not, but sometimes people just I don't know can't put two and two together. What do you think people are most surprised by when you start talking about independent wrestling in the Midwest area, Indiana in particular? Um, I think most people are like surprised just like, not that a lot of places are, uh, aren't, you know, fun, like fun, but like how fun the environment is, how like the locker room is, how hungry the locker room is. You know, there's a lot of young, you know, talent in the Midwest, especially Indiana right now. So a lot of people, you know, are usually surprised about like how, how hungry everybody is and how much we are all striving to not only be better for the area, be better for Indiana, but to be better as professional wrestlers and people. Right. Do you, do you think it's because, you know, fans just, you know, regionally get trapped in a bubble and just don't either look outside? I mean, we've got so much information at, at our fingertips now. I mean, it didn't take that long to find matches on you, on YouTube, but you think it's just fans are, you know, can be lackadaisical or just get comfortable with what they see? No, I mean, I think a lot of fans in, you know, Indiana and, you know, this area are very, very knowledgeable about wrestling. And I think, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't think they're like lackadaisical or lazy or anything. I think it's, it's just a whole bunch of different combination of things, I guess. Okay. All right. Uh, you look to me, especially like in your pro bone pictures that I've seen to have like an old school, they have a throwback feel to them. Was this done intentionally? I mean, we constantly hear to stand out in professional wrestling. You need to do something different. Is that the something different for you in pictures? Uh, I just, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, uh, I I feel like there's like a rougher side of to me and like I whenever I look back at old, like old timey photos I always think of this kind of stoic um stoic uh just kind of like a calm before the storm feeling I guess uh that's, right. that's kind of how I how I feel like a lot of times like before I wrestle or before I go out and perform I do I just very calm very reserved very kind of just relaxed and that's I use those photos to try to capture that feeling of right before I go out, you know, like just very reserved. Because once I step through that curtain, I'm I'm a bottle rocket, you know. I'm I'm going every single which way. I'm pretty uh pretty hard to slow down. So those photos I try to to just try to sh- show the uh, more relaxed, calm version of myself. Plus, I look like a serial killer half the time, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to come out and say that, but yeah, it's a, a mugshot type of appeal, I guess, might be uh, 
be appropriate. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in the mean streets of Spencer, Indiana. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I know how that can be. I, I, I think I've rolled through there once or twice. Um, do you have a, a, yeah. Do you have a pre-match ritual that you go through, Cole? Um, not really. You know, I kind of, I kind of just keep to myself. I don't really talk to a lot of people. I just, you know, kind of just focus on me, what I, I got to do, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to react in certain situations. Like, if something were to go wrong, how I'm going to, you know, be able to fix that. And just make sure that, you know, I got my got my head on straight and go out there and perform to the best of my abilities. Like, a lot of people, you know, they, they try to hype themselves up or they try to do several different things. I just kind of just try to make myself – I try to not think about anything. I kind of just try to clear my head and focus on breathing, I guess, would would be my actual answer. It's just a couple of deep breaths and get ready to rock and roll. Because you are your own creative team, Cole, I mean, it, it is you. What's your thought process when trying to portray the persona of Cole Radrick, whether it's in a video or social media, promoting yourself? What's that process look like for you? Uh, you know, for a long time, it was kind of, I was trying to figure out, like, who I was, who I wanted to portray, what I was going to portray, why I was going to portray that. And then just this past year, I've kind of just started portraying who I am as a person. Um, I don't really, I don't really try to, like, be too wacky or too crazy. I'm just a amplified version of myself times a hundred. And so whenever I, I cut a promo, I'm cutting a promo on how I would legitimately would feel about that situation. But I would ramp it up to about a hundred instead of like a 10 or a 11 or a 12. I, I just turn it all the way up. And so it, that way, whenever somebody sees it, somebody sees that promo, somebody sees, you know, my wrestling or my facial reactions or how I move or how I do something, it's actually genuine and they can connect to that. There's a lot of people that, you know, when they have a character, they come off as a little bit hokey or phony or they try to play a tough guy in real life. Like, I'm not a tough guy, but I'm a guy that if me and you are going to stand across the ring from each other, that you're going to have to try to kill me. You know what I mean? Like, if, you know, if I'm actually fighting somebody, like, I'm not just going to, you know, get beat up on. So I just try to portray, you know, who I am as a person times a thousand every time, you know, I do something online or I do something in a promo or I wrestle or anything else. What what constitutes a good promo in, in your opinion, Cole? I mean, one of the things that I heard early on was not to run your opponent into the ground, you know, over and over and over again. Because if you're running your opponent into the ground, then what's the point of you even wrestling them? you know, that you should mention accolades, that you should try to lift them up, elevate them up so that people find some interest as to why you want to wrestle that particular person. What works for you? Uh, exactly. Like like you said, you know, if I were to say uh, I'm wrestling Kurt, like some person named Kurt, not Kurt Angle because he'd whip my ass, but if I'm wrestling a guy named Kurt, if I say Kurt, is a lazy piece of shit that sits on his couch and doesn't do anything with his life. And I go beat up Kurt. 
what did I just beat? I beat up a guy that sits on his couch, doesn't do anything with his life. Like, a lot of people would think that they could beat up him too. But if I was saying, you know, I'm wrestling Kurt, who's an Olympic gold medalist, and he's a multi-time national wrestling champion, multi-time international wrestling champion, and I beat him, then I just beat a guy that has all those accolades. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. to... What constitutes a good promo, and I'm still learning, you know, what a good promo is, because half of my promo is just me screaming. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just making some, making people feel a genuine emotion through the words and your actions and how you bring a point to them. If you can get somebody emotionally invested in what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're talking about, the, the story behind of what you're talking about, it's going to mean so much more than just – saying how tough you are and how much you were to kick this person's ass or that person's ass. Like, you know, some of the best movies are, aren't action packed movies, but there's like, they're kind of mind fucks. You know what I mean? Sure. So what constitutes a good promo is having a point, getting it across in the shortest amount of time possible, making people care about what you're saying making people invest in what you're saying and making them believe in what you're saying. Sounds fair to me. Sounds reasonable. Uh, I watched some match tape on you against two different opponents, one being Brett Havoc and the other being Braden Lee. The three things that really stood out to me for you was your athleticism. You did some nifty rope work at the beginning of the, uh, the Brett Havoc match that I really enjoyed and your ability to sell for your opponents. In today's fast-paced in-ring product, how important is the sell? And coming from a different generation, how is it viewed in conversations that you have with people in professional wrestling? Um, I try to use my selling and my matches as a strong point. Uh, you know, in today's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying like today's wrestling doesn't, doesn't have the emphasis on the cell, but a lot of the times it's take this move and about two and a half minutes later, you're going to do a whole slew of different moves. But like if I take a move that hurts my ankle or hurts my arm and I'm not selling it a minute later or two minutes later, like how much does that really hurt? And that doesn't mean I'm like, I'm dying off of it, but like, you know, you're checking on to make sure it's fine. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's just, it's making sure sure that people are investing in, okay, you're registering that this move hurt, you're registering that, you know, this this hurts, you're, you know, you're showing emotion, you're show, showing the struggle. Because if we were all wrestled without emotions, it'd kind of be lame, you know what I mean? Like, right. You know, we're at, I call wrestling human destruction theater. You know, you're seeing the people beat up on each other, tearing their bodies apart, but we're also providing a sh- show and the best way to get somebody emotionally invested in the show is to show emotion. And so that's that's what I try to do. And, you know, most locker rooms I'm in, you know, I'm in a lot of, like, locker rooms that have young talent, you know. It's not like we, there's not an emphasis on the sell, but it's trying to find the right times to sell. Sometimes the crowd wants action, 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 action. And you got to learn to when to sell and when to take your time and when to – you know, slow it down, speed it up, do a whole bunch of different things. You mentioned something very interesting in that 
in that answer, you mentioned human destruction theater. When we had Joey Ryan on the show, he said that for him, professional wrestling was theater. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but I, I, I believe it's theater. I believe it's a sport. I believe it's a whole bunch of different things. You know, the beautiful thing about wrestling is it's an art and Art isn't just one thing. Art isn't just, you know, going out there and making a cool entrance. It's make going out there and making an extravagant entrance with, you know, adept in ring abilities and creating a story in that ring and telling and taking people on an emotional roller coaster and you know, there's always, you know, uh, you know, tragedy and there's always a rise and a downfall, you know. I I would agree with him where it's theater, but I also agree that it's a sport. But it doesn't professional wrestling doesn't have to be one different thing. It's like Baskin Robbins. There's sixty nine different flavors. There's a whole bu- there's a whole bunch of different flavors for anybody. Some people like people flipping each other with their dicks. Some people <laughs> like two guys swinging light tubes and throwing barbed wire each other into barbed wire. And there's some right. people that enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? It's there's no wrong way to do professional wrestling. I mean, there's, I mean, there's some people that like watching bad wrestling, like that you know wrestling that doesn't look good or isn't really you know professional. There's people that watch backyard wrestling, people that aren't trained. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm not saying backyard wrestling, professional wrestling are the same. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying there it's in theater. You know, there's you know comedies and then there's like operas and there's a whole bunch of different things. So I think professional wrestling is like that in the sense that there's so many different options for everybody. Makes sense. I like that answer. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, George, go ahead. No problem. No problem. Cole, uh, one of the things and one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you, I I'd known a little bit of your work. I've seen some of your work in CZW and IWA Mid-South. And um, I was following you on Twitter and one day it just popped up that you were promoting yourself wanting to get any getting bookings for 2020, specifically the WrestleMania time period. Has has that uh, evolved in anything? Have you got any bookings from that promotion? Uh, yeah, luckily, I you know, um, I was reached out to by uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver. Um, it, they usually run out of Dayton, Ohio, and uh, Iowa. And, but they, every year they run Pancakes and Pile Drivers, uh, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, you know, Sammy Callahan reached out to me, and or Sammy Callahan reached out to me, and we ended up, get, you know, being able to put some together for WrestleMania weekend. So I'll be there. Uh, Puck Pro Wrestling is also hosting event WrestleMania weekend, and I'll be there as well. So so far, you know, I've been lucky enough to get two WrestleMania bookings, and I'm really excited to do both of them because I'm about to knock them out of the park, honestly. That's awesome. That's a, that's the thing that stood out to me. I, you know, I'd always seen that you're a good in-ring talent, and I, I really like your promos. I think you're you're a little bit harsh on yourself. I think you're really good on your promos. And um, when I seen that, I was like, well, here's a guy that's willing to put this out there and say, hey, look. I I want to do this. I have this ambition. I, it really made me think. I was like, well, this is a guy we need to bring on our show because we want we want to sh- try and help this guy get the, his name out there as much as we can. And I, I appreciate that you came on and that you uh, you answered the email. Um, but for the f- people that don't know so much about you, 
how did you break into the business and who and who did you train with? Um so I've been in and around wrestling since I was about twelve years old. Uh there was a local promotion in my hometown of Spencer called uh, ICW. And it was ran by this guy named B Cat. And I went up to him, uh and by at this time I was backyard wrestling with a couple of my buddies and we had a camera. And uh, I was able to use, like, editing, like, video editor uh, called Windows Movie Maker, which is, like, the worst basic movie editor (laughs) of all time. And I I started filming the shows, and I would just make, like, highlight reels to him. And he came up to me. He's like, oh, kid, you're doing really good. You you want to stand ringside and film? And I said, okay, cool. Um, Then he's like, well, hey, show up at uh, 1 o'clock. I was like, okay, cool. And I started setting up wrestling rings when I was 12. And I kept telling him, I was like, oh, all I want to do is wrestle. All I want to do is wrestle. Well, eventually, when I was about 14, so after two years of setting up rings, he's like, well, look, if we get the ring set up in time, we'll let you hop in and roll around. I said, sweet. For two more years, I set up rings. And eventually, I was setting them up by myself without any help. And I... uh, Never never got the chance to be in the ring. Never took a bump. Never ran the ropes. Nothing. So I was like, okay, well, eventually this guy's going to let me do something, right? Uh, when I was about like two or three months before my before my 16th birthday, he's uh, he he messages me on Facebook. He goes, look, I'll train you. Uh, it's $500 up front. Um, you pay the $500, I'll start training you to be a wrestler. And in my head, I was so excited. I was like, holy shit, this is my dream. I'm about to become a pro freaking wrestler at 16 years old. Like, I'm going to do all of this. All right. My 16th birthday, he shows up to my house on the front door, and he's like, all right, where's that $500 at? I was like, what? He goes, $500. Well, I get $500 for my parents, you know, instead of a party for my uh, 16th birthday. So I gave him, you know, the money up front, and... He mess- he gave me an address. He's like, well, well, I'll see you there at this time. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, I'm going to go to this, like, this building, like, learn how to wrestle, and, I, you know, get things set off the shape. I, uh, I'm driving down this really, really weird, like, back road, and I'm like, okay, well, this is where I go to get stabbed. And uh, I pull into this guy, his driveway and he has a wrestling ring set out to the side of his house in the middle of like nowhere there's leaves in it the ropes are loose and it's just rough so we did that about we trained like that about three or four times and i never heard from him again what wow yeah uh so then i was pretty bummed out about wrestling i was only 16 i was like well screw this and then i ended up getting like really really fat in like a three four month period and uh, in probably July of the next year, I uh, I ran into uh, Infinity Pro, which ran in Bloomington, which is about 30 minutes away from me. And the guy that owned it was one of my buddies. And he's like asking me, like, when, when are you going to get back into wrestling? Are you training? And I said, man, I, I want to train. I said, but I don't know where. I don't think I'm going to be able to train. You know, I don't know anybody that will train me. And he introduced me to uh, Mikey Guess and Ollie Tharp, who ran, run New Wave Pro Wrestling. Uh, uh-huh. I started training in December of 2014, and I graduated in 
March of 2015. I had my first match in April, and ever since then, I've just been trying to wrestle as much as humanly possible. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. It's good to see that you you didn't let – I mean, you had a little bit of a drawback there, but you didn't let it totally beat you down and take you out of something that you loved. That's it. It almost did. That's for sure. And, and, and for most people, that would have been it. That would have been the, the stop. But it's mm-hmm. apparent, you know, it's apparent you have the drive and the love for the business, which is awesome. And it's great to great to see that. And speaking of speaking of people in the business, uh, in some of your latest promos, you mentioned several names we are familiar with, such as the Carnies. Uh, what does it mean mm-hmm. to you as a performer? To have guys like Nick, Terry, Tripp, Jonathan Wolf, or even a Sean Kemp to bounce things off of or discuss with. I uh, you know they're they're all really good dudes, you know. Um I grew up with uh Jonathan and Sean, you know, we're IFHY. Uh you know, we're we're three fourths of the uh original like IFHY group. So that you know, that's always pretty cool. Like they're my boys from day one. Uh Jonathan and Sean really, you know, when I first, they were born into wrestling, and they, as soon as uh, they met me, they kind of just took me with them and made me like, even though I'm older than both of them, I kind of became like their little brother, and they were showing me like how to do things, and you know, those are my boys, and uh, Carrie, Iggy, and Trip, you know, they, they all just encouraged me to be better, and luckily, you know, four, four and a half years later, I'm still pretty cool with everybody in the group, you know, you know what I mean. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Do you think um, Do you think that group of guys that are are underrated in the general landscape of the fans? Do I think they are they are underrated? Yeah. Do you think they're underrated for because you don't you know for the for those that follow independent wrestling you know their names but they're not out there necessarily on the forefront of anybody's discussions. Yeah. Uh, let me like it's honest to God. It's honestly a shame that Jonathan Wolf isn't wrestling absolutely everywhere right now. Like he is so talented. Uh, he's really honestly one of the best guys I've I've ever seen wrestle. Um, he can do absolutely anything. Uh, Trip Cassidy, the Carnies, everybody else is they're all so talented, man. There's so much good talent in this area that people don't even know about. Uh, you know, we have guys like, you know, Jonathan Wolf, Sean Kemp, Tripp, Kerry, Iggy, uh, Adam Slade, Chase Holiday, uh, Sage Phillips, uh, Braden Lee. Uh, there's I, I could go on and on and on and on and on of just how many talented people there are in this area. And it's all honestly like if you've, ne- if you've never really – watch an Indiana show like watch an Indiana show and see like what all these people have to offer because they can I could throw a dart into a one of like the top like Indiana companies and any one of the guys could go out there and kill it in front of anybody you know in the nation definitely definitely and that's a it's one thing I know I notice it's not an area, you know, like the Carolinas get a lot of, a lot of uh, press. The, the Texas area, some of the Cal- Southern California gets a lot of press. 
but you don't really hear anything much about the Midwest. And there's a ton of, like you said, there's a ton of great talent out there that just needs eyes on them. Yeah, man. It's just, I think it's just, you know, I was saying that somebody sees one of these wrestlers that they know that, uh, they, they change their mind forever. A lot of people have always slept on the Indiana wrestling scene. You know, Indiana wrestling scene used to have a bad rep because there's a whole bunch of like bad companies that, that did kind of sh- shady business. For a while, it was only you know IPW that was like the sole Indiana wrestling company, and now you have Bizarro Lucha, you have Black Label Pro, you have Paradigm Pro, you have IWA, you have uh, New Way Pro, you have Fighter Die, you have a whole bunch of different Indiana wrestling companies that are all just really really talented and have great rosters. And honestly, if you just went to any of their shows, you'd be very, very entertained because there's literally something out there for everybody. Definitely, definitely. And uh, we'd be remiss to ask uh, our good friends over at FNX Network that that, uh, our show's on. uh, You wrestled for their opening show, uh, the FNX Wrestling, didn't you? I did. I wrestled uh, Justin Myers and Jeremy Hadley. What did what did you think of the promotion and the the guys running it? And be honest, we want to hear the dirt on them. We want to hear bad news about them. <laughs> I mean, about Mark Vandy. <laughs> you know, uh, the promotion itself was really awesome. You know, uh, there's this great forty mile guy named Mark Vandy. Uh, he's kind of <laughs> stuck at wrestling. You know, kind of stays in his little area. He, he yeah. kind of smells funny. At least yeah. he has a nice ball head, right? You know. But yeah. he, he's really the worst, honestly. He he smells funny. <laughs> no, honestly, that show was awesome. Uh, you know, he was very nervous about it. He like he killed it. He had a great turnout, and honestly, man, it, like it was really cool for me to just to see like, just to see how happy it made him because I knew it was such a big deal. I knew he was so worried about it, and uh, I just seeing his face at the end of the show, seeing how happy he was, seeing how happy he was with the turnout, you know, it just made me really happy. FNX had a really great show the first to- first time out there, and, you know, hopefully they keep having more, and they invite me back, and I can get, you know, wrestled. Definitely, definitely. We we pick on him because we love him. Mark Andy's a great guy. Yeah, He's okay. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him more company. Sir. Yeah, that bald head will swell up for sure. Oh, it already has. Come on, man. Don't. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> and before before I give it back to Bob, uh, one thing that we've been talking about a lot is NWA power. It continues it continues to intrigue both old school and those not familiar with it with a studio wrestling show. Have you seen any of it, and what are your thoughts on the show? I love it, honestly. Um, my like I don't really. I watch like new wrestling, but a lot honestly, a lot of the wrestling I watch is like Smoky Mountain and NWA and AWA wrestling, uh, just stuff like that. That's usually what I really watch. I love Smoky Mountain wrestling; it's my favorite. Hmm. Uh, so seeing that studio wrestling, I love the presentation of it. I love the old school vibe of it. I kind of wish they would like you. I kind of wish they would use a camera that was like grainy to give it that last extra oomph. But seeing everything in such HD is also really cool. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's, it's the best. Yeah. Of both. You know. You know. Uh, it's just it's really good. I, I enjoy it a lot. You know. I think. 
I think it's different in a good sense to where it's not your conventional wrestling show. Mm-hmm. But I think I can, I can understand that people that who may or may not have watched, you know, studio wrestling ever before, how they could be kind of confused by it. Right. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, we've we've well, talked about that. that. Saying that and how much you've watched, uh, I'm going to pass it over to Bob here in a second, but just a suggestion to add into your repertoire, because I don't see many people doing it lately, an Indian death lock. I think someone needs to bring it back, and I think it's one of those moves that, that can look devastating even in today's age. I'm just trying to bring back the finger poke of doom, honestly. He <laughs> <laughs> can do that to Mark Vandy on the next FNX wrestling show. That'd be... That'd be awesome. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't trust anybody. As I'm chasing in that ring. Oh my goodness! Uh, you know, at the top of the show, Cole, we were talking a little bit about Mike Bennett reportedly asking for his release from the WWE. From the outside looking in, as a performer, does this seem odd to you? I mean, the guy just resigned in June. Reportedly five years, 500K a year. You got so many people busting their ass to get where he's at. What, uh, any thoughts on that? Here's the thing. Is the guy going to be happier in the WWE or is he going to be happier on the independents? Yeah. The money, money can, money comes and money goes. Like, you got to worry about yourself, your happiness. Like, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of all time, as I said, quote I actually have on the back of my wallpaper. It's a, it's a quote by Joey Diaz. It literally says, "Who gives a fuck about budget if you have heart?" Like hmm. money will come if you do something and you're, you know, you put your heart and soul into it. If he's not happy, he doesn't have to be there. Like you said, there's somebody that will go in and take that spot, but you don't think he understands? Uh, oh, somebody might go in and take that spot if he resigns. The guy's a smart guy. You right. look at his Twitter feed and you look at his Instagram feed and everything else. He's very well knowledgeable. He has a kid. Right. He's a beautiful yeah. wife. He knows what he's doing. Like nobody, nobody should ever think like, "Oh, how dare he?" You know, resign for the WWE. That's a thousand people's dreams. Guess right. what? Things change. Life happens. Things change. People leave. Life doesn't stop for anybody. So if that's true. Happier not doing that? Like, all power to him. Let him go on the independence. Let him wrestle as much as he wants to. Cole, what are uh, what are some of the areas of the country that you haven't traveled to to have the opportunity to perform? And, and what's it going to take for you to get to those areas? Um, I, I'd really like to go to Canada. Um, I'd really like to go to California, uh, Denver. Um, Washington, anywhere on the East Coast, basically any 50 states that would actually have my weird ass. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's fair you know, enough. That's it, fair. I mean, like the typical answer, you know, is I would I wrestle anywhere and everywhere. Like. Right. And that's true for a lot of us. A lot of us will wrestle anywhere and everywhere. But I just want to travel, see cool things, enjoy my life, enjoy this journey be as good of a person as I can be and go out there and kill in front of everybody. Uh, you know, and the way to do that is just to keep doing what I'm doing, keep cutting decently all right promos, cut 
keep, you know, looking not like a dumpster fire and keep wrestling like I am, you know, it's my last match. Sounds reasonable to me. Uh, For fans that want to come out and see you wrestle, where are you coming up at in the next couple weeks so that if fans want to see Cole Radrick's name on the, uh, on the poster, where are you going to be at? All right. Um, this weekend, October 18th and 19th, I am in Memphis, Tennessee for the Southern Southern Sickness Cup. Uh, this okay. Friday, this Sunday, rather, this Sunday, I will be in Indianapolis for Fight or Die's Young Guns Tournament. Uh, okay. uh, Friday, October 25th, I will be in Jeffersonville, Indiana for Paradigm Pro Wrestling, facing off against Carrie Awful. Uh, Saturday, October 26th, I will be in Spencer, Indiana. Whoop, whoop. Uh, you know, big, big travel right here. <laughs> the venue is literally right. two miles from my house. I will not leave yeah. my house until about five minutes before my match begins. I will show up in here. I will look at my opponent. I'll say, I'll see you out there, kid. Um, uh, then October 27th, I will be in Indianapolis, Indiana for Asylum Wrestling Revolution. And that's that's it. So, I mean, I have uh, – then I'm in New Jersey uh, November 2nd. And okay. that's what, all I got right now. I mean, okay. I have more, but that's a long list that we both that, don't want to go down. That, that, that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. So the easiest way for fans to, to find this information out would probably be on social media. How can fans can – how can fans connect with you on social media, Cole? I'm very easy. It's at Cole Radrick, C-O-L-E-R-A-D-R-I-C-K. Not Cole Roderick, not Cole Rizzlerock, not Cole Sadrick. <laughs> it's Cole Radrick. There you go. And that's across all platforms, correct? All platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Tinder, you name it, it's on there. Sounds good. Cole, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your evening to be with us, man. We had a blast talking to you. Certainly want to wish you nothing but the best of luck coming up, and hopefully uh, we'll see you down the road soon. Yeah, thank you guys again for having me. You know, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. I appreciate you guys sharing, you know, me trying to get booked on WrestleMania weekend. It meant a lot to me, and, you know, hopefully I wasn't too boring. Nah, you were just fine. I know, you were all. Just fine. Cole, have a great evening. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. There goes Cole Radrick, and we'll be back right after this uh, brief message. Hey, everybody. Monkhouse Bob. And the lovely Laura. Folks, we've been telling you for the last five years. Five years. Five years. Five years. Five years. years. All the different ways that you can listen to live from the Armory Wrestling Show. You can hear us on www.fnx.network. You can hear us on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. The most important thing is, do you listen? Every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, live from the Armory Wrestling Show. Don't miss it. Great to have uh, Cole on the show this evening. Had a great time talking with him. I really liked his, uh, his analogy on human destruction theater. I thought that was uh was pretty interesting and I would encourage uh I would encourage our listeners to check him out. If you see Cole's name up on the uh up on a poster, uh or certainly go to YouTube and uh and check out some of his match work. There was uh there were several 
several good matches that he had. And uh, he had some nifty rope work. One of the things I should have mentioned it to him, George, was uh, I saw was, uh, I want to say it was against the first guy that uh, I watched, the first match that I watched against him and Brett Havoc, you know, the old, uh, oh, what is it, the old back pedal after the punch, the uh, a la Terry Funk, Iron Anderson, swinging mm-hmm. in the air. You know, we've seen, uh, seen John Schuyler do that a bit uh, during different portions of his matches. I, I like that. I like that throw in. I like that throwback. And it's me. He has a throwback look. But, uh, man, he is uh, he's something else. He did some nifty little uh, some nifty rope work at the beginning of the match too. Kind of reminded me just a bit, just a bit, a little bit of Pentagon, a little bit of Pentagon Junior. So Ooh. make sure that uh, make sure that you're checking out Cole Radrick. Make sure you're following him on on social media. Um, wanna, wanted to get there was one yeah. match. Uh, I don't remember if it was a CZW or or IWA Mid South, uh, but it was about three four months ago. I seen it. I don't know exactly. Around that time, it was him and Mance Warner, and it was one of the first times that he really stood out. And I went, okay, because you know, obviously, I watched it from Mance Warner. I knew who yeah. that was, and then I seen this guy, and I said, okay, all right, he's somebody. He's somebody too. He's not just a also ran in the situation. And and like I said, I was following him on social media, and one day he, I was surprised. <laughs> I like a guy that's willing to go out there and say, hey, I'm not booked. Let's fix that. Let's get me on some shows. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, uh, I agree with you 100%. And there was a tweet that we had put out too, uh, that he had, that Cole, he being Cole, had tweeted earlier today, and you can find him at Cole Radrick on Twitter. Uh, if I reach 2.5 thousand followers on Instagram, 3K on Twitter by 11.8, one lucky person will win 100 bucks. Yeah, how can you beat you know, how can you beat that? If that's not incentive enough to be following him on Twitter, you know, the moolah. Uh speaking of moolah, you know, we've been following the money tonight, so to speak. What did you think of uh what did you think of Moxley, John Moxley, getting stripped of the IWGP US title and Spoiler alert, I'm going to give you one if you haven't seen this. If you're not following this particular individual, I'm pretty sure it's been out on the Internet. Uh, former show guest Lance Archer, a.k.a. Lance Hoyt, uh, wins the vacated title, the IWGP U.S. title. What do you think of them, uh, New Japan, stripping Moxley of the belt? Well, from from what I understand, and, you know, this is no – concrete evidence uh he had travel issues you know there was that tsunami over in japan uh he wasn't the only one i believe zach saber jr couldn't make it and there were a yeah. couple of guys that couldn't couldn't get into the country and normally right. they just you know they put the match off for a couple of weeks but from what i understand he wasn't going to be able to come back until it, about wrestle kingdom time which so I don't like mid-january beginning of january or something like that yeah, so I don't think they wanted to keep the U.S. title, you know, not on their show for that one or not at their, you know, their events, which is a really long time. If you yeah. think about it, uh, four months of not having one of their premier championships not defended. So I, I can see why they did it. I I, I think it – well, I, th- I, I thought like the situation. I thought that – I thought it was just kind of strange that you're going to blame a tsunami 
Do you know what I'm saying? You're going to blame a tsunami, travel issues for stripping the guy of the title. I it just I don't know. Yeah, and and I think it's I think it's more I think it would have been more if he was going to be there next weekend. They might not have stripped him. Yeah, but with the the amount of time he's going to take off, it makes sense for the company. I think it makes sense for him a little bit too. He could come back, Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Lance Archer, and say, "Hey, I never lost that belt." That's I'm true. That's true. There's always, mine. yeah, there's always an end, you know. And you know, a lot of people were questioning or wondering what was going to become of uh, Lance Archer after the uh, breakup of the Killer Elite Squad. Obviously, Davy Boy Smith Jr. not a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and Lance had. A tremendous showing, tremendous showing, like a like a man invigorated at the G1 this year. A lot of people were talking about his matches, and uh, you know, I I, I think uh, my my opinion is is that I think that his performance in G1 elevated him uh, into that status uh, because we've seen we've we've seen the Juice Robinson run, uh, and here's right. a guy that's been. Lance has been with New Japan, I want to say, eight years. George, am I right? Eight, seven, eight well, years, yeah, roughly? Roughly, somewhere uh, around there. Without a, uh, without a major singles run? Am I still on point there? Um, yeah. So I, I, could see that, I could see that look getting thrown his way. I, I can see that. Hey, you know, hey, you know what? Kudos to him because he's – He's a guy, he's another one of them guys that doesn't get talked about, but really should, because, I mean, what what more do you want the guy to do? He has the look, he has the promo, he's a hell of a talker, he's a hell of a wrestler. What what more does he need to do to get to the level where he's at? Maybe now, like you said, the G1 really opened a lot of people's eyes. I don't know how the people didn't see it for the years before that, but that's you know that's another story for another day. I, I I like the decision. I like Lance Archer. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's a great representative for the title. I think there's to me he makes more interesting uh, interesting challenges uh, for. I'd rather and this is no knock on Juice Robinson. I like Juice Robinson. Yeah. I'd rather see Zack Saber Jr. versus Lance Archer. I think that's a better match. I'd rather see Kenta versus Lance Archer. Excuse me. Uh, you know, up and down the card, uh, Sonata versus Lance Archer. And again, no knock on Juice Robinson. He's a great wrestler and he's great at what he does. I just don't think he has quite the range that Lance does. I think Lance has more of a range where he's a more credible challenger to a wider variety of wrestlers, if you get what I mean. Well, I think that he's opened up his style a little bit more. Uh, knowing that he had to open up his style a little bit more, not relying on the tag team uh, deal anymore, not you know having the partner to carry it, so he knew that he was going to have to elevate it, elevate the game. Uh, I mean, we're not we're talking about a guy that uh, has been in the game at least twenty years, you know, former TNA talent, WWE talent, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. So I mean, it's not like this guy hasn't been around the block. Uh, and like I said, I. I I stand by it. I really think the G1 is what uh, is what pushed him over the top in, in a lot of people's eyes. Just his, uh, his performances there, I think, really, really set it off for him. Uh, the last thing that I had, George, and then this is 
kind of broke this week. Uh, Eric Bischoff is no longer involved with the WWE. Folks will remember it was announced not that long ago, less than what, two months, three months that he would be, he would be uh, heading up the SmackDown show. Eric Bischoff, excuse me, is out. And Bruce Pritchard is back in as the creative director, I believe is the title. I'm not 100% sure uh, of SmackDown. Uh, It's funny to me, you know, I was talking about it with somebody earlier today. They were asking me, you know, what do you think about, you know, Eric Bischoff being out and Bruce Pritchard being in? And I'll, I'll tell you what I, my, my thoughts on it. My feeling is, is that I always felt that, uh, Eric Bischoff was in the right place at the right time with WCW. Uh, I don't know really what we can point to as far as contributions are concerned. I'm sure that there are, there are several that we can credit to Eric Bischoff during the, the, uh, the Monday night wars. I know that a lot, you know, the, uh, when Raw was being taped, you know, re- revealing the results while WCW was live, you know, was kind of a feather in his cap. Um, you know, but as time after the sale of WCW and Eric Bischoff went and did Eric Bischoff things, I am not so sure that he stayed in touch with what was going on in professional wrestling. Uh, what was what was what was being consumed by the fans today? And here's the thing. You know, WWE has a lot vested, a lot vested in Fox and Fox vice versa has a lot invested in the WWE. And I'm really just thinking that they wanted somebody that was going to have the 100% commitment. And I don't know if Eric Bischoff was 100% committed at this point in time in his life to what was going to be asked of him. That's my feeling on it. I, I agree to some point, and you know it's such a small sample size, like you said, two three months since he's been back, and I don't know have has it officially been said that they fully got the rain check? Because I know Vince still has a lot of his hands on everything. I, Vince still Vince I, still does, but I if you, if you really think about it though, and, and really if we're going to be honest. Eric Bischoff had one of the most successful runs as the head of a company as any promoters ever had. And go up and down the list. There's not many promoters that have that sustained excellence. I mean, what can you go with? Eddie Graham of Florida did it for 20 years. Right. Uh, Vince McMahon's uh, obviously the most successful. Even Paul Heyman really hasn't run a wrestling company in over a decade. Uh, yeah, you know all the I, other all the other great promoters. Uh, Vern Gagne had a successful run, but it, and they all they all fell victim to time because eventually you're gonna your hand is not going to be on the time your your fingers are no longer on the pulse of pop culture. Like you you can attest to this, Bob. Me and you both love the Dokken song that opens and closes the show for NWA. Right. Into I the fire. The yeah. number one. I couldn't tell you who the number one rock album is right now if you paid me a hundred bucks. I could now, neither. Ten years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I probably knew eight. Ten years ago, I knew probably five of ten. 
15, 20 years ago, I knew 10 out of the 10 number one or top songs. As you get a little bit older, you fall more and more out of pop culture and you, you know, you go back to things that you love. I think it's just, you know. Well, let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this then. Maybe I should rephrase it or should have prefaced this. Can Eric Bischoff's success in WCW as, as, as the promoter or the head of, creative whatever can can his success be attributed solely to him or is it more of the people that he had in place around him the segment producers the road agents the yeah sure he made some huge you know made some huge deals getting hall and nash and hogan and you know the whole nwo thing but at the end of the day how much responsibility or how how many accolades can we really hand off to Eric Bischoff during that time? Well, I'll, I'll put it to you. I'll put it to you like this, Bob. Yeah. You're, you're a Steelers fan, right? Yes. You're a, you would say that the 70s Steelers, probably one of the greatest dynasties that's ever played in any sport. Absolutely. Could they have won if you took away Franco Harris? Could they have won mm. if they took away you know, Terry Bradshaw, if they took away Mean Joe Green, or did they need all of those ingredients, the Lynn Swans, the Mel Blunts, the Mean Joe Greens, every one of those ingredients was important to make them where they are. So is it like, again, does deserve all the credit? Probably not, but anyone that's going to reach that level uh, Vince doesn't reach that level without Pat Patterson and Hulk Hogan and right, but Bob he's yeah, given the given the accolades. I get I get I get what you I get what you're saying. So I guess I should back up and retract what I said. So Eric Bischoff, you know, did have a huge had huge success in in WCW and is credited with with a lot of stuff. But I think it, it's it's a different time era. It's, it's a different thing. You know, it's like. You know, when they announced Bruce Prichard, I'm like, this was a guy that I heard, I don't know, six months ago on one of his clips, on one of his videos, you know, that, that that he felt like during the Monday Night Wars that they were in such a pressure cooker that he was having a heart attack, you know, over, you know, ratings and, you know, getting, you know, Vince and talents and, you know, all this other stuff. And here's the other thing I want to drop in real quick. There have been very few people that have been successful in those uh, – I'm not quite sure. I'm not 100% sure of what his official title will be at SmackDown, but I don't know if you want to call it um, co-executive vice president of talent relations and, and show programming or whatever whatever spin they want to – whatever you want to put on it. I mean, you've got – what, you had Vince Russo, who was in charge – head of creative. You have Bruce Prichard. You had – uh, Jim Cornette at some point in time, you had uh, Jim Ross, you know, that, that carried the uh, WCW and uh, WW, then WWF and WWE for many, 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 many years, many years. So there's not been, it's not like we've had a constant rotation of people that have been in these positions close to Vince, you know, or close to Ted Turner or, you know, Jim Hurd or whomever was, you know, the absolute guy that was in charge. Uh, so I, I think, and it seems to me, just, just in the outside looking in, you can tell me if I'm wrong or not. 
it would seem to me that Bruce Pritchard has just had his fingers more on the pulse of what's going on in professional wrestling since stepping away and coming back than what an Eric Bischoff has. Is that fair? Oh, I would, I would agree 100%. I think you're absolutely right. Um, do I think that Bruce Pritchard's the answer to the solution? I, I think he's a Band-Aid. I'm going to be honest with you, Bob, because just like we've talked, just like we said, we're handing it off from one Attitude Era, one Monday Night War veteran to another Attitude Era, Monday Night War veteran. What? Where's the, where's the new blood? Where's the, where's the yeah. younger talent that's been training under them? Where's yeah. the next generation of storyteller? You know, yeah. uh, who, where's, why, why aren't we tapping into some of the voices that could be used? Uh, you know, I'm sure that there have been people on that creative, but why, why isn't a guy, and I hate to say this because as soon as you say that it's, it's a lightning rod, why isn't a guy like CM Punk tapped for that kind of position? Oh, my God. Or Daniel Bryan. I'm, why you got to pull the CM Punk card out of your rear end? Here's, here's the other thing, the well, other you know ingredient. He's a, guy, he's a guy that's uh, tapped into the, the masses. That's where I'm getting he's ta- Yes, he is tapped yeah. into the masses. Here's the other ingredient to this between Raw and, and SmackDown. Raw is a show that carries the USA Network. Fox is a a channel that carries SmackDown. Two huge differences. Two huge differences oh, yeah. in in programming and in talent and segments and all that other stuff. I mean, make no mistake about it whatsoever. Because you know, like the 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 WWE After Dark or WWE Backstage, that's a Fox show. That carries the WWE logo, not the not not a WWE show that's on Fox Sports. Make no mistake about it. So it's very very interesting dynamic to me about who is saying to whom what we're going to do and what we're not going to do and how we want this presented and we have a lot of money invested in you and this is the expectation. It's almost a, like a giant role reversal, you know, between. What what's going on between the two shows and, and and the two different carriers? So that's interesting dynamic. But I thought I'd uh, thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next few months. Because as people know, we're already in mid October, pushing into November, December, and there's a huge push as we head in after the holidays into the Royal Rumble and then further and beyond into WrestleMania. We'll see what see what happens there. Uh, want to go on and announce next week's guest. And for those that listened to the show last week, yes, I screwed up. I had announced the wrong <laughs> guest and all that other good stuff. I had was looking at my calendar sideways, Mister Poles. Coming up next week, and I'm it is, and it does, uh, and I am one hundred percent for sure about this. Coming up next week on this program, uh, Miss Amber Gertner will be joining us. Uh, if you're not familiar with Amber's work, uh, she has been heard on CWF Mid-Atlantic. She has been heard on Queens of Combat. She has been heard on Shimmer. And I am sure there are a ton of great stories that we're going to get out of Amber because Amber's been a witness to women's wrestling long before the hot term evolution, revolution, whatever you want to put on it, uh, took place at the major televised level 
I mean, this has been going on for a while. A lot of ladies busting their ass on the independence to move. You could say she was one of the ladies laying the groundwork. Exactly. There at the ground floor, which was being built long, long time before hashtag give divas a chance. So Amber Gertner will be joining us next week. Do you have uh, anything else that you would like to add, Mr. Coles, before we call it an evening? Just it's, as always, Bob, it's been a fantastic time. I've had a great amount of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed our guest, Cole, and I'm really looking forward to the interview next week with Amber. I think we, we continue to knock it out the park. So we have some great guests on the show. Absolutely, absolutely. And, folks, uh, if you tried to listen to this live on Blog Talk Radio and all you heard were violins, that was that was me playing gently in the background. My violin gently weeps. <laughs> something like that. Uh, If not, you can catch us on the replay on every major podcast platform known to mankind. You can also check us out at www.fnx.network. We'll be back here next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Remember, be good to one another, and there's never a bad seat here at the Armory. We'll catch you next week. Thank you. been listening to live from the armory wrestling show the premier podcast of indie wrestling listen to us on blogtalkradio.com every wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time subscribe to us on itunes follow us on twitter at from the armory we're also streamed worldwide on www.fnx.network and we're also available on stitcher you can find us on facebook at facebook.com backslash live.armory.9 If you like what you hear, please take a few moments to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening. See you next week.